there are days when we just have to grieve. We have to listen to our bodies once again that, you know, there may be so much grief around um, how we feel about our bodies that, you know, we may need to take a nap. We may need to just be extra gentle with ourselves on those days. Move away from the shame and feel less alone. Welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast, where you will find companionship and never another diet. Hosted by nutrition experts, Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. We want to walk alongside your PCOS journey. There's a comfortable spot at the table waiting just for you. Let's begin. Chapter six. Shavise Turner on mental health, grief, and loss. Hi, and welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon. And I'm Kimmy Singh. We're so glad that you're here with us today. We put this show together with you in mind, and we hope that it brings you the companionship that you're looking for as you navigate your PCOS journey. Kimmy and I have worked hard to put this show together, and we want to shine a light on voices often not heard in PCOS circles. You'll hear from Jess Baker, Ivy Felicia, Danny Adriana, Sophie Carter-Khan, and many others. Every interviewee was asked a series of questions about their PCOS journey. This episode features Shavise Turner. She's the founder and CEO of the Binge Eating Disorder Association. We will start today's episode, how we start every chapter of the PCOS and Food Peace podcast with a listener question. We gather these questions on Instagram, through our Facebook community, and also email newsletter. Today's question comes from Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at Food Peace Dietitian and at Tasting Abundance. Katie asked us this question. My question is, how do you find PCOS healthcare providers that align with health at every size and have a non-diet approach? I was diagnosed while in college at a guy in a, um, at with a gynecologist, and then a reproductive endocrinologist in my hometown. Five years later, now that I'm living in a different state, I haven't been able to um, find any doctors in four years. I have no idea how to find someone who would be helpful and not hurtful. I've done a lot of mental and physical healing by being on my own and listening to my body in the last few years, but I don't want anyone to damage that. Thanks, Katie. Oh, good question, Katie. That is a, I feel like it's a really big theme that we've heard in our interviews, Kimmy, is like mm-hmm. people talking about avoiding doctors for years and years because of fear and shame. And some people talked about finding doctors that aligned with a non-diet approach and other people said they found kind of good enough doctors. They talked about that. They're like, I just found someone that I was able to do what I needed to do. Um, but what are, what are your thoughts on this, Kimmy? Oh gosh, I have so many thoughts on it. Well, I mean, ideally, right, you would find a great health and every size doctor who would never put you on the diet. And that would be great for probably your PCOS and your mental health. Um, and I would love that to happen for you, but it, it may not be the case. And if that's not the case, you can still find some doctors that are not as fat phobic and that are won't necessarily um, be very forceful with a diet. So there are still options out there, even though they may not be perfect. And it's kind of, you have to find a balance of what works for you. I feel like another great option is that 
If you have maybe a dietitian that you work with in your town or virtually, it may be really helpful to have at least one person on your team that's completely health at every size. I would find that to be really important. But above all, you mentioned a great point that you've done all this hard work and you don't want anybody to damage that. But Katie and our other listeners, I think you're a lot stronger than you realize. And all of that hard work won't be reversed by a bad doctor's visit. Right. Yeah, I did. To always have hope that there's going to be more answers, there's going to be direction for you. And I love this, like centering on like, if you can find one person to be your ally, and support you in the way that you need know you need the support that you can make the rest work. I just think that sounds so much more doable, especially for those of us who live in these really small towns and there's just not a lot of access to care. But maybe you have a virtual therapist or dietitian who does align with a non-diet or a health at every size approach. Like then you can still get what you need. And yeah, maybe it's not perfect, but it's going to be good enough, you know? And something that I wanted to share with listeners too, there's a couple places to look online for listing for doctors. And um, Laura Burns, um, she talked about the Fat Friendly Docs page. There's a um, like an online page where you can find um, doctors that will say that they're fat friendly. And what she found with hers is she found hers on there, but it, the person wasn't like, 100% haze, but it was kind of like what we were talking about too, is like they she felt safe enough with this person. And that's why they were on there because they were just someone that listened. And really that's yeah. what I feel like, as long as someone's going to listen to you, <laughs> that's all yeah. we're asking for. Um, and okay. then another one too is the health at every size community.org. I think it actually uses H-A-E-S community.org. That's another place that has lots of different providers, not just doctors, that may provide a resource. And then the other one is size diversity and health.org. That's another one that may have a listing. And the other thing is if you do have access to a dietitian, therapist, or exercise professional, or anyone who aligns in a non-diet way, they probably are also a wealth of information for um, other providers. So asking them to like, do you recommend any doctors to help me with this? And that may be another way to get it. Yeah, definitely. So I'm excited to talk to, to, um, Shavise. We're actually not going to talk to Shavise. I think that's really funny. I said that I'm excited to let the listeners hear the interview with Shavise because, <laughs> um, she talks a lot about this experience of, um, coming up against physicians who weren't supporting her and finding her own way. And we get to hear the interview in just a moment, but first we're going to pause for a brief commercial break. This Q and a segment is brought to you by my PCOS and food peace course. My name is Julie, and I help women with PCOS to promote health, make peace with food, and radically reconnect with their own innate wisdom. I know it's probably been a long time since you felt like you could align with your body. You've been pushed to diet and diet and diet, no matter how hard it is. And I have a feeling, just like so many people that we interviewed for this podcast, that you also were dismissed and told just to try harder, even when it hurt. Well, after working with hundreds of women with PCOS, I've come up with a 12-step system that helps people with PCOS move away from diets and finally reconnect with that innate wisdom that they were born with. You were born with it too. I believe that you can do things like intuitive eating, mindful eating, all those non-diet approaches that you probably have heard other people do, 
you can too with PCOS. It just looks a little bit different at times. And that's what this course is all about. It's not another diet. Oh my goodness, totally not. Because I have been working for the last 20 years to help people move away from them. And so this is something that's different and unique and you won't be able to find anywhere else. A little bit about the course. It's self-paced and it's all downloadable. So whether you learn best by video, audio, or just reading, you get access to all those different formats. There's also a workbook involved that helps you dive even deeper and a support community that helps you connect with other people going through those 12 steps. The course also includes bonuses, like a pre-diabetes or diabetes module. So if you are affected by that, you also can experience food peace as well. There's another component to help with advocating for better care, which is oh so important and a really big part of this podcast. So if you're interested in learning more, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast. There you can connect with this course and there's also a course for dietitians. So maybe you work with a dietitian or you are one and you wanna learn how to do this type of system. I have a course for that too. So go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast for all the details. If you decide that the time is right for you to do the course, keep in mind, I have a special podcast coupon code. What you do when you go into checkout, it'll ask for a coupon code and just put the word in podcast and you will get 25% off the course. So again, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast and you'll get all the details. And I am so excited for you to check it out. And I really think this is an important step that if the time is right, is something that can help you to feel more at home in your own skin. And honestly, everyone deserves that today because you are worthy and valuable just as you are. Kimmy and I hold this interview with Shavise Turner really close to our hearts. It was super powerful to be a part of this conversation, and we are so looking forward to hearing about what you think about it. Recognizing the need for an organization to advocate on behalf of individuals affected by binge eating disorder, Shavise Turner founded the Binge Eating Disorder Association, also known as BETA, in June of 2008. And she continues to lead the organization in its endeavors in creating awareness, healthcare provider education, and public policy initiatives. As an advocate for those with binge eating disorder and mental health promotion, Shavise Turner has advanced BETA to national recognition and is passionate about changing the conversation around weight and body size to a paradigm that promotes well-being, including freedom from weight stigma and body discrimination. She is a leading voice within the eating disorder community around the need to bring marginalized communities to the table and fully represent those who are affected by these dangerous disorders. And that right there is why we had to have Shavise sit down with us for this podcast series. Shavise has significant experience in healthcare policy and advocacy and has held several leadership positions within nonprofit healthcare organizations and industry. She's thrilled to utilize these skills to work for a cause that touches her personally and elevate a community of sufferers who are vastly under-recognized and under-treated. 
She is passionate about Beta's work to realize better evidence-based treatments for those with binge eating disorder and increase healthcare provider knowledge about how to identify and treat all eating disorders. Shavise Turner is a graduate of Temple University in Philadelphia. She received a BA in political science and is a current board director for the Academy for Eating Disorders. We are so excited to bring this interview to you. But before we get to that, a word from our podcast sponsor. This PCOS and Food Peace podcast is being brought to you by Theralogics, the makers of Avocetol, an inositol supplement with a blend of myo-inositol and dechiro-inositol in the body's optimal ratio of 40 to 1. Inositols are nutrients that help to decrease insulin resistance, promote menstrual regularity, restore ovulation, and balance hormone levels. In convenient powder form, Avocetol can be enjoyed in your favorite beverage or smoothie. Available in both a canister and convenient single-serving packets, Avocetol contains 100% pure inositols with no additives. It also is the only inositol supplement that I recommend to my clients with PCOS because it does have that very important 40 to 1 ratio and is third-party tested. Order online today at theralogics.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-L-O-G-I-X.com. And during checkout, be sure to use my PRC code 127410 and you will get an exclusive PCOS and Food Peace podcast discount. Also, be sure to listen to the end of this episode where we will give you the opportunity to win a free 90-day supplies of Avocetol. So go to Theralogics.com and use the PRCI code 127410. Come on. Hi, Shavise. Hi. So tell me how you figured out you have PCOS. Well, uh, I discovered that I had PCOS in what was the dark ages of the uh, beginning of the uh, internet. And so I was in my late 20s and I was just beginning a serious relationship with the person who is now my husband. And I had um, finished college rather late in my 20s and, you know, was going through the usual things that um, people who are beginning to really adult are, are doing. And I decided, well, I need to get a good physical. And, you know, I had started um, uh, another round of, of therapy. I still wasn't quite realizing what was going on in terms of um, having an eating disorder, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about more as well. But, um, I, um, had started reading things on, on the internet that were, uh, specific to different symptoms that I was having. And one of the symptoms, which is something that I think so many people with PCOS begin with is hair in places where they don't want it to be. And for me, it was specifically on my neck and so I was Googling about that, and it led me down this rabbit hole um, to places that I could really relate to, and all of these symptoms coming together and it having a name. And um, I, um, from the, the 
time that I started uh, having my periods, they were always very irregular. Um, gynecologists would never um, have any answer for why that was happening. Um, they just put me on birth control and, you know, sort of the, the usual um, methods of, of, you know, quote unquote, treating that. And um, so I went to an endocrinologist and she told me that she thought that this combination of symptoms was probably something called polycystic ovary syndrome. And she explained a little bit about what that is. And um, so I kept Googling and, uh, or at that time, I don't know what it was. It wasn't Googling, but um, researching and um, eventually went to another endocrinologist um, who said to me, um, I don't think this is, is PCOS. This is just, um, this is just a, a metabolic syndrome type thing. And, um, you know, sort of dismissed it, but put me on metformin and that did help my uh, periods began to regulate a little bit better. And so it, it took a, a couple more years from that point um, for me to get an actual diet diagnosis and have a, a sonogram confirming PCOS and, um, you know, being taken seriously that this is really something that was affecting me and my health. Um, I also, my, um, my boyfriend became my husband and, you know, we were talking about having children and I was worried about that considering um, that my periods were not regular. And so I went to uh, an infertility specialist before we even tried, really. And he said to me, well, I before I can even consider treating you, um, I'm going to need you to lose 50 pounds. And um, I was already in therapy at this point for, for my eating disorder. And um, while I was not against losing 50 pounds at that point in my life, um, I was um, upset that he thought this was the only way that I could get pregnant. So I started um, researching more online, found another fertility doctor, did one round of Clomid and, and was pregnant. Um, and so uh, the weight issue was not something that stood in my way of, of having a child, but um, it definitely um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, it definitely played a role in so many aspects of, of um, the treatment that I got through the years. So in a nutshell, that's um, how I came to discover I had PCOS and the, the process of, of um, getting to the point where I had a child and, you know, the fertility part of the, of the issue. Mm-hmm. You know, something that you mentioned that I've heard from other people is that sometimes what doctors would say, oh, yeah, you have it. And then another doctor would say, no, you don't. And you kind of got passed back and forth and um, told different things. Did you experience a time where you were like, yeah, maybe I don't have it. I don't know, like kind of a confusion with the diagnosis in general. Or did you feel pretty firm that that's that's what it was? Um, I think that the the one physician who told me that I did not have it um, and kind of blew me off, the endocrinologist, I just walked away saying, 
he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Because I had had I had done so much of my own research to the extent that I even had had um, corresponded with several researchers who researched PCOS and asked them questions and mm -hmm. so forth. And that's just how I am. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, when I saw all of, you know, when I saw the bigger picture for PCOS and what it could mean for my health, I, f I just felt like I really needed to know and I needed to know as much as possible. Um, and even if physicians were not on board, I knew because I lived in my body, obviously. <laughs> and, um, you know, a, a 15 minutes with an endocrinologist in, who dismissed it, just, you know, I wasn't going to believe that. I can relate. And I think, like, it's been a very common theme for all the people we've spoken to that just having to take it into your own hands. And like you said, it was the earlier times for the internet must have been a lot harder. I think it it probably was, but there was just enough information mm -hmm. for me to kind of take it and run and, and, and say, this is, this is what's going on. And, and I also was looking at, um, the, the people in my, my family and their health histories. And, um, both my mother and my grandmother were diagnosed with, um, diabetes at a, a very early age with type two, mm -hmm. um, in their early twenties. They, you know, it just, to me, the, the, it made sense that this was something that I was born with, mm -hmm. um, and it was going to present at, you know, at the time when, when I started to menstruate and, and, you know, go into my adult years and, um, you know, I don't know if there truly is a link there, um, that's for science to figure out, but it just mm -hmm. sort of made sense to me that this, problem that is at its core, an insulin resistance issue, you know, and, and having a, a very, just, you know, having family members, mother and grandmother who presented very early with, with diabetes, which abnormally early, um, mm -hmm. sort of made sense to me. So I'll never know if there is a true connection, but yeah, of course. And there's just so much we don't know. Yeah. Um, like, I know you spoke a bit about your relationship with healthcare professionals around your PCOS diagnosis. Since then, how has your PCOS treatment been in relation to their behavior? It's continually dismissed. Yeah. Um, I do have a very good relationship with my primary care physician, um, I've had to train her on on eating disorder <laughs> uh, information, and and in terms of PCOS, I've also had to continually remind her. And as I said, she's you know I feel like we have a really great relationship, and she's very attentive to everything that I tell her about. She doesn't weight shame. She doesn't weigh me. Um, you know, it's really the perfect situation if you're going to have a a relationship with a physician, but, um, I do have other, I have health considerations that have, that require that I see specialists. And in each one of those situations, um, they, they hear me that I have PCOS and, um, they, um, will acknowledge that it, it may have, it may play a part in, in, um, the health consideration. Um, but they they are very quick to put the blame back onto me. 
Mm -hmm. um, that, well, if you just lost X number of pounds, then you would not have to deal with this. Um, You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it always comes back to, well, if you just lost weight, then this wouldn't be a health consideration. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I find that disheartening. Yeah, I think it's such a cop out on their end, Mm -hmm. um, just not being able to provide care, provide treatment options and reverting back to the the weight loss. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. So sad. You know, something that I'm connecting with what you said that my heart's hurting because of it. It just, he said you were continually dismissed. Like it's an ongoing, continual experience. Um, that's, that's just, yeah, that, that hurts. That's, that stinks because it's, it means that you're not being heard or seen or really, um, they're not gathering the information that they need to help you to like decide your next best steps. Um, and you know, getting their education to help you. (laughs) you know, to to feel better. Exactly. Right. And, you know, and I have pointed out to them that, um, you know, I, I, I do not diet any longer. I don't restrict. Um, and I've been at the same weight for, for many years now, but I, I was like Olympic level dieter, um, back in the day. Mm -hmm. And so I have lost a lot of weight and, regained it, um, over and over and over again. And when I lost weight, none of the symptoms subsided. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the same stuff was, was still there. Um, and so, you know, when I point that out to them, they just, you know, blow it off and don't seem to acknowledge it, um, as well. They just are so married to their, their weight loss paradigm as a, as a, um, you know, a treatment for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, switching gears a little bit, when you were diagnosed or even now, how did you and how do you tell your loved ones about PCOS? Um, well, my husband is the person that I've probably shared the most with. Um, I mean, I, I tell him everything about it. Um, and so, you know, he has a very good understanding, um, you know, much like, um, anything in life, you gauge how much you can tell certain people, um, by the way that they respond to things over time. And so, um, you know, there are certain people in my life that I know just, they can't take it in. They, you know, it would take months of explaining every day what this means. Um, And it it just really isn't helpful. And then there are other people, my mother, my, um, my best friend, um, and, you know, some other friends that I share it with. And um, I also share it professionally quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And that is um, very rewarding, because I've seen just how many, how many people can relate. But um, you know, the, the, the reason that I, I share it with people is that, you know, one, I want empathy mm-hmm. Two, I want them to be an advocate for me. If, if, uh, that time would, would, uh, come about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want them to understand it. Um, and three, I, you know, I want to be able to explain that, you know, the things that come with PCOS, like, 
um, depression or just not mm-hmm. feeling right in my body, um, you know, the, the various pains that <laughs> we may have at, at different times, um, I want them to understand why. And so I find that that most people are actually very curious about it and um, find it interesting, the ones that I, mm-hmm. you know, let in on what's going on. Yeah. Well, um, for somebody listening, maybe that's like a new diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what advice would you give them about sharing their PCOS experience, either personally or professional? Um, I think that the advice I, I would give is to trust trust yourself in terms of um, how much energy you have to help a person understand, um, look at, look at how you're feeling about it. And if there's any shame connected to it and, and possibly find someone to process that shame with, um, because unfortunately I think with, um, any health issue these days, um, you know, we're, we're made to feel like somehow we, we are responsible for that health issue. And, um, you know, the term healthism has become um, much more common and understood. And and so I think that, um, you know, in, in the effort to save insurers money, the government money and so forth, um, the blame has been put back onto individuals. And PCOS is one of those places mm-hmm. um, where we can feel a lot of shame because it's very complex and, um intersectional with, with many other health issues, I believe. Um, and so I think that, that those are the important things to look at and to, to know who you can trust, who's not going to shame you, um, to help them understand, you know, what, what you're going through so that they can be there for you when you need, need them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Um, uh, advice. I, I feel like uh, shame is such a big part of the PCOS experience. So however one can find a path that distances a person from the shame is right. got to be um, not only like a kind choice, but also, you know, I'm thinking from a dietitian perspective, I suppose, like a choice that's going to promote health, you know, so right. um, <laughs> and easier to like make choices that are for you, you know, gonna help you feel more energized and um, be able to manage things like PCOS and stuff. So something else that's often loaded with shame is a person's relationship with food when they are affected by PCOS. And what has, what have you kind of put together on how PCOS has affected your relationship with food? Yeah. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying it is ongoing for me and, um, complicated by the fact that I had an eating disorder for the majority of my life, um, and whether the two are connected or not, I, I suppose I'll never know. But they definitely intersect, and um, so the shame of one really builds on the shame of the other, and it's a, it's mm-hmm. a, a per, it's a perfect negative marriage. Mm-hmm. So you know, my relationship with food has been. Um, disordered and complicated and difficult um, for so long. But 
in some ways, I look at um, the fact that I had an eating disorder as um, somewhat of a positive in helping me navigate the aspects of PCOS um, in that I learned to not demonize any foods. Um, I've learned to listen to my body um, when it comes to the foods that I'm eating. Um, for instance, you know, there was a day when I could sit and eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> and now through learning um, intuitive, uh, intuitive eating and um, just being more connected to my body, I know that uh, after eating just a little bit of chocolate, I actually don't feel very well. Um, but I would eat past that because of, um, well, various reasons. But that has really helped with my PCOS because, um, you know, food really does affect how I feel. And um, when I can feel that without judgment and, you know, make a shift, not demonize it, not put shame around it, um, then I can just move on to what I need to feel myself and 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 feel good. Um, there's a little bit of grief and loss, I think, that comes along with um, intuitive eating as a, as a whole. In that, you know, um, at first, when you're really paying attention, you you grieve a little bit that you're not going to be able to eat all of that chocolate because you don't feel good. <laughs> And it has nothing to do with guilt about eating the chocolate or you just know you don't feel good. Mm -hmm. um, um, but you move on to being sort of very grateful because, uh, you know, you you are, are eating things you like and you want and feel good in your body. And that mm -hmm. includes just about everything. It's just mm -hmm. your body's telling you kind of when to start and stop. You know, something I'm wondering... Um, Especially, especially a listener right now who can totally relate to feeling the shame around food and maybe eating certain foods or certain amounts. I'm wondering how you made that step to be curious and non-judgmental, or you know, trying to do that in order to gather that information, to gather that intel, and like, oh, you know, when I eat this amount of chocolate, I start to feel ill. You know, um, yeah. How did you get to that place where you're able to to do that kind of work? Honestly, it took it took quite a bit of of time, um, but I, you know, I think when it, whenever you're introduced to a concept, as I was with intuitive eating, it was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do now, you know. And you you set out because we're taught that, um, you know, especially around food and eating, that when you're going to work a quote unquote program or a type of eating. Um, or a diet that it's very, you know, there are boundaries around it and, and all you have to do is ABC one, two, three. And because I came out of diet culture, that's how I approached uh, intuitive eating at, at the beginning. Um, and in reality, it, it took some time. It took a lot of, of experimenting. It took um, not uh, doing it in a way that it was meant to be done. Um, it took eating past my intuitive signals. Um, but over time, it just became more and more apparent. My body and my brain had to start to connect. And those 
connections take a long time. Um, but I think that the most important piece was being able to sit with being uncomfortable about not doing it in the way that I wanted to do it when that happened, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally does. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, you know, having those feelings of failure come up and, and be okay with that and be able to talk about it with my therapist, which was very helpful for me, um, talk about it with the people I, I did trust. And, and I'm fortunate that I'm in a, a, a profession where I'm surrounded by people who know a lot about this. And so I could, I could talk to them about it and, and hear other experiences. But it really is about being able to sit with that discomfort and know and say, okay, I'm going to keep going on this path, but it's going to continue to take some time. I, I do think having um, people that that we can talk with is extremely important. I do think that uh, doing the things for yourself that are gentle, and if that if if that means taking a walk for you, that's what it means. If it means being with your dog. Um, and, and just hanging out, that's fine too. Um, most of us have busy lives where we can't just do that all day. Um, but it's, you know, just, just taking it easy and and allowing that to kind of flow through us and hopefully on, um, Mm -hmm. and, and out into another space. Mm -hmm. I think it's almost comparable to like, um, the way diet culture pushes this idea of eating healthy and whatnot. Um, sometimes I feel like when we're discussing self-care, it seems like there are people trying to just mask everything with saying, yeah, just take your walks, use your essential oils and whatever else. <laughs> and like, don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love a good lavender oil, but yeah. you, know, yeah. there, you know, there's room for other stuff too and other emotions. Right. And it depends where you are. I mean, what I did for self-care 10 years ago is very different than what I do for self-care now. Um, so you know, it, it's about not criticizing that and and doing what at the moment you feel is going to be most helpful to you. And that's different for each of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 those are great tips. Um, and what do you what do you wish medical professionals knew about PCOS? I wish they understood just how um, how it affects your mental health and and I think this is with any chronic disease or disorder or, you know, um, as in the, as in PCOS syndrome, um, that it's exhausting. It is, it's extremely tiring. Um, it is mentally taxing. Um, it can be physically taxing and, you know, all that we want as as patients really i believe is to be heard we don't want to be blamed and shamed and we just want we just want good care you know we want you to hear us and to not dismiss it and to understand that um this is complicated for us and we live with it we live this out on a daily basis um so it, I mean, there's all kinds of challenges to the way our medical system works and, and why that is difficult for, 
for individual physicians and the medical community as a whole. But I think if 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 each one just came to it with a little bit of empathy, that would go a long way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Empathy doesn't take any extra time, you know, right. it's, it's not, and, and I am trying to imagine like what, how your life would be different if in your twenties, when you were trying to figure out what was going on and you'd found this PCOS diagnosis on the internet, like what if those docs were just, would, were just listening more or, you know, mm-hmm. providing the empathy. I wonder how things would be different. I think it, I think it has the ability to be a lot different and, and that doesn't necessarily mean they need to have these extra tools or anything, but just really, yeah, just some minor empathy tools, like, you know, listening, active listening. Right. right? And, and believing you when you say, I have these hosts of issues, you know, like, and, and not just dismissing it. Yeah. So what is the best and worst PCOS advice that you were given? Um, honestly, I feel like I haven't gotten a lot of advice from, especially from the medical community. I think the worst was and is just lose weight and everything will be fine. Probably the best, um, and I don't even think it's that great, is, has just been my, my uh, primary care physician um, saying, you know, let's just make sure we get all of the, um, you know, specialists on board that, that we need to have Mm -hmm. these, you know, different parts of your body checked out on a regular basis and, and make sure that the medications are right. And, you know, she does kind of hold the center very well, uh, for me. Um, so, but outside of that, I, I think that the advice, um, a lot of what I've learned, actually, interestingly enough, has come from um, my uh, massage therapist, who mm. is is um, a health at every size provider, and um, she very much is about holistic health, um, not in in sort of the alternative health um, type of approach, but just in looking at the the whole body and um, uh, you know, just uh, talking with her and, and, and she can relate to, to much of this herself and, and having those conversations have been extremely helpful. So I, I do think there are complementary providers that can be helpful in, in, in getting to a place where you can be comfortable in your body with this set of symptoms. Um, but that can be a landmine as well because so many um, alternative or complementary um, clinicians tend to focus on weight loss as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So there's a risk of, you know, taking those steps, but when they're found, especially a haze uh, massage therapist. That's amazing. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> yeah. Especially in my part of the world. Totally. Cause they're working on your body. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Cause they're touching your body and to exactly. be able to have compassion and dignity. That's, I wish that was yeah. how every massage therapist was. I know. I know. It's very, <laughs> very unique and I feel very fortunate. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Cause I picture how for so many people going to massage therapies, massage therapists, um, and if they're living at a higher weight, how diet advice during that really like, time of like relaxation would just 
come out. I can oh, yeah. picture it happening and, all, all the time. So Yeah, and I've had those experiences and you know, and it it just when uh when I I found Amelia it was uh just yeah, made a huge difference. So, mm. thanks Amelia. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you've uh You've described some tools that you use to help your mental and physical wellness with PCOS. Do you want to share any others that you'd recommend to someone listening who's trying to find some new tools that that help them? It is so individual. And um, I, I think that really just beginning to reach out to people in the PCOS community um, that you feel like you can relate to. Um, some of the tools that you have to have, unfortunately, are tools that are um, the warning signs in your head that you may not be getting good information. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. anyone that tells you that um, losing weight is is what is going to, you know, quote unquote, cure or or um, you know, make the disorder basically uh, not a an issue is is not well-informed. But I I do think that finding some groups um, and finding people like like you, Julia, a dietitian who understands PCOS and um, is hopefully health at every size, um, which is also difficult, but, uh, you know, having a a clinician who really understands this is really the best tool you can have in your pocket. Um, if you don't have that, finding groups online, finding um, resources from, from um, I know there are several PCOS organizations, um, but again, being discriminating, you know, if, if what they're suggesting is a, you know, weight loss for, you know, that that is going to be the end all, then that's probably not the best advice and you may want to look elsewhere. Is there anything that you learned about PCOS that surprised you? I think I had done so much research and just really learned to pay so much attention in my own body with the the set of symptoms. Um, I think initially years ago when I when I discovered that this was, you know, at its core an insulin resistance problem that affected, you know, it was a metabolic issue. It was a um, hormone issue and so forth. I was very surprised because I went into it looking at it as a fertility mm-hmm. problem. And that that was really the piece of it that I focused on for the longest time. And then as as things evolved and I realized that just how all of this work together. It may affect the shape of my body. It may affect um, my liver and my heart and, you know, all these different things. I was just, I was just amazed at how much of my body it, it could affect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I was probably going to have to be more diligent about my health in terms of seeking um, medical care than the average person. Um, so, and, and just how complicated (laughs) it was, Mm -hmm. um, was very surprising at the onset. That's something that surprised me too. And I think 
a major disservice um, against the PCOS community is that doctors are not talking about how complex PCOS is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not sure, maybe if you saw it um, last year, I think out of Australia, there, or maybe New Zealand, I'm not sure, but there was an article published and there was an assertion that it's best to not even tell people with PCOS that they have it unless they want to conceive, um, suggesting that they don't really need to know. It might be too stressful. And um, if you want to, or if any listeners want to see my rebuttal, if you want to call us that, <laughs> they can find it on Julie's blog. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for them too. Yeah. Yes. Oh, <laughs> there's so many reasons that that is awful advice. Um, I think it all it it also plays to the fact that the medical community thinks that people can't handle um, their own health, that they need to be told what to do. Um, and and that's that's dangerous. I mean, this is partly about autonomy and mm-hmm. and making decisions for yourself around health. And yes, it can be stressful knowing this. I completely agree, but it also can be stressful not knowing that this is something that's playing out in your body and just thinking you're falling apart. Mm. It also gives you information um, to take the steps that you need to do to, you know, address your wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I've I feel really privileged um, to have experienced is sitting with people as they go through the diagnosis of or getting the diagnosis of PCOS. And maybe they Mm -hmm. were sitting with me and talking about their relationship with food and experience a mood disorder and really intense cravings or, you know, Mm -hmm. lots of other PCOS uh, things and, and being like, huh, you know, it kind of sounds like you have this condition. And, um, and then when they go to the doc and get the diagnosis that this, this relief of like, Oh, so I'm not, it's, it's not that I'm doing anything wrong. You know, the, this thing right. is in my hypothalamus, like causing havoc and, um, wow, this, that, I mean, that's such a, um, it's, it's such an important part of, I, I feel like having that information for people then, yeah, to feel like they can make choices that help their body feel like, uh, like body liberation, I guess, in a sense, like it's a, a choice that's helping them to, um, just, know what's going on. And when Kimmy and I saw that article, um, to say we were pissed is really putting it mildly. Yeah. You know, we were <laughs> like, yeah, oh I mean, my gosh. Because I think they were even saying something like, oh, well, when you tell them they look online for answers to get the wrong answers. But I mean, we're looking online because we're not getting <laughs> answers from anyone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, it, it is infuriating. And, and people want to know why is this happening? Why are these mm-hmm. things happening to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and knowing the the sort of you know what is happening in the body that is causing these symptoms is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most humans are curious about this type of thing and are not going to freak out. They're just they're, they they want to know, and then they can take action if necessary, mm-hmm. um, or they can learn to sit with it. Um, which is another big, important piece. Right. Yes. So, Shavise, if you could go back to the Shavise in her 20s, and who's just like trying to figure out what's going on and is doing all that internet research and maybe just getting that diagnosis, what what do you wish you could tell that person? Um, I think... 
Oh, that's, you know what, that's hard because I feel so, I feel privileged around this piece because, um, I, well, I guess then that I would tell her that it, it, it really is going to be okay. That, that having found this information really led to, um, a whole world opening up, including getting better care for my eating disorder Hmm. and that it, you know, you're going to manage it and, you know, you're going to, this year I turned 50 and you're going to sit at 50 and you're going to say, you know what, considering all this crap, <laughs> um, you know, that I've been through with, with my body and, and mental health and so forth and PCOS, um, you know, things look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do, I feel very fortunate and privileged in that I learned to advocate for myself. It's still difficult, but I did learn to advocate for myself and I have gotten very good um, healthcare considering that it's had to be patched together and I've had to insist on it. Um, and I can't say that without acknowledging that I am extremely unique in that because all of the the individuals out there who don't have the privileges that I have, and especially those in oppressed communities, um, things are going to look very, very different. And um, that that is something that has, you know, become part of my life's work to to talk about health disparities and and oppressed communities and and what that means for them and and try to work toward a a better healthcare system for everyone. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, Shavise Turner, thank you so much for your time and and telling us about your lived experience. This this is really um, great information, and I know the listeners are going to really uh, appreciate hearing about your experiences and and your advice as well. And if they're wanting to know more about your work or how. I don't want to find out more about you. Where's the best mm-hmm. way for them to do that? Um, they can go to the organization that I founded and run, which is the Binge Eating Disorder Association. And the website for that is uh, com. So it's B-E-D-A online.com. Um, I also have a a website that will be up and running. Um, it's up, but it's not uh, fully fleshed out yet, but um, bedrecovery.com. Um, and that is uh, a new book on binge eating disorder that I've just written with a, a clinician and there'll be um, information there about how to get a hold of me. Awesome. So I'm happy to speak with anyone. Awesome. Well, thank you. We'll put all the links to that and the links to your link to your book as well in the, in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. Do you want more Food Peace? Go to pcosandfoodpeace.com slash podcast for a free download. It's your first three steps toward Food Peace with PCOS. There, you can also enter in a drawing for a free trial of Avocetol. That's a 90-day supply. Again, go to PCOSandFoodPeace.com slash podcast.
Thank you for listening. The PCOS and Food Peace podcast was created by Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. Audio editor was Toby Lyles from 24 Sound. Show art by Katie Sanders from Pop and Gray. Music was by Tiny Music entitled Super Pop. Show notes were by Laura King. Thank you for listening. We hope this episode empowers you to experience more food peace.